Welcome everyone to the Mindshift Podcast. This is Paul Elliott from Mindshift Experiences, neurolinguistic programmer, hypnotherapist, firewalk empowerment instructor, motivational speaker, mindfulness sports coach, and general all-round positive thinker. I hope you enjoy. Today I'm joined by Pamela Ray. Pamela, how are you doing? Hi, Paul. Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, I know you're a very busy lady uh, these days, raising a family, etc. Uh, Absolutely. And I, know, I know how challenging that could be, Pamela, so no, I really do appreciate you coming oh, on to problem. the Mindshift Experience podcast and sharing your your very inspiring story. Um, it certainly captured the hearts <laughs> of many people. Um, and of course, in relation to um, a traumatic experience in your life that... Um, led to you undergoing um, some serious surgery um, yeah. many a few years ago now. So what we always do is we start the podcast, of course, by getting back to the very start um, uh-huh. and where you're from. Whereabouts are you from, to let everybody know? I'm from uh, Glasgow in the Knightswood area. Knightswood? Oh, you, you're yeah. the posh end of Glasgow then, yes? I, I, I don't think <laughs> that, but yes. maybe just a bit past there. <laughs> you, never, you never grew up in a tenement then, no? Or, or was it, it abs- a high abs- flat? <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely. It was a tenement until yes. I was mm-hmm. oh, 10, I think. Aye. Yep. Aye. Well, my goodness, that's it's certainly, um, it's it's upper level, certainly from uh, growing up in Mary Hill, where I'm from myself, Pamela. <laughs> but uh, there we go. I don't think, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Aye, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But um, no, it's, it's really great that you've you've come on and agreed today to, to speak for the first time. Um, about your experience and and of course undergoing massive um, heart surgery in fact a, a heart transplant um, not that yeah. I know anything and I mean anything about um, that particular procedure but my goodness I remember many years ago when it was in the press and it really was it was a wow moment you know um, uh, it was for me too <laughs> I, I bet it was I bet it was so how did it how did it all come about? Because you know, were, were you mm-hmm. living a, a a normal life? You you had one one um, child. child, yes, yeah. and then of yeah. course you fell pregnant. That's um, it. Yes, aye. So uh, what was it? What was it that, that happened? And how did that come to? Uh, how did it all come, come about? Light? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going right back. I mm-hmm. had at the time um, mm-hmm. a four year old, and I was yeah. pregnant with my second child and yeah. I started to feel really really exhausted like mm-hmm. more than just pregnancy yeah. but I just kept thinking nah I'm just pregnant it must be I'm, down to that yeah yeah it must be down mm-hmm. to that I was classed as you know an, an old mother being in mm-hmm. my, my late 30s and um, uh-huh. it's just how it happened for us as a family but um, I, I, I had really bad swelling in my ankles I looked mm-hmm. really pregnant really quickly yeah and um I was just exhausted and out of breath. Mm-hmm. So I went to the GP a couple of times and he said, mm-hmm. yeah, well, that can just happen in pregnancy. You are a, an older mother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But um, <laughs> the, the turning point was actually mm-hmm. I went for a, a test to check if I had diabetes in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they make you drink like basically a couple of litres of kind of Lucozade. Mm-hmm. And they take your blood before and afterwards. Yeah. And I remember after I drank that much liquid, uh-huh. I could hardly, I could hardly breathe, right? And I was walking out of the maternity hospital, and I'm totally labouring, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not that far on, really. And um, this woman who looked about mm-hmm. eight months pregnant, totally burst in pregnancy, was marching mm-hmm. up the corridor, killing herself laughing and looked like, mm-hmm. I don't know, life was bursting out her. And I thought, mm-hmm. nah, something, something not right. something's not right. So mm-hmm. um, that night when Jay got home, mother half from work, mm-hmm. it, it got, took me to a because mm-hmm. the doctor's like, I think you might need an x-ray. I'd phoned them down and they're like, no, you're best just go and get checked out. Yeah. How so, many weeks How many weeks pregnant were you? At this, well, at this well this, is, this is the massive thing where My I was 24 weeks in one day. And that's, wow. a, that's a particularly important um, number and I'll explain why. So mm-hmm. I, I walk into hospital or shuffle in yeah. and um, they convince me to get an x-ray. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm fighting them because I'm pregnant and I know that yeah, that's harmful. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm in a room fighting the lead shield up a bit, and they're pulling mm-hmm. it down. Do you know what I mean? Saying, "My goodness, no, no, we need it here. But we want to scan your chest, lungs, and I didn't know heart." Mm-hmm. So then this doctor came back in and she went, "Look, they took me away in a research room, separate away from mm-hmm. everybody. I'm in a bed in there, and she says that your heart's completely the wrong size, and um, your My lungs, goodness. your lungs are filled with fluid." And I, oh, right. So I still don't know what's going on. So they send in a sonographer mm-hmm. um, to do a look at my heart, and she's looking confused. She mm-hmm. goes away, makes a call, and phones her boss, mm-hmm. and then he comes, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, Jane, I'm like, to get I, I'm meant to be night shift in my work, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, Jane, I don't mm-hmm. think I'm going to go home with a tablet for a chest infection. Mm-hmm. Like, What's going on mm-hmm. in this lady? You get bad vibes straight away from uh-huh. I Just a separate room, everything we were in. Mm-hmm. And I said, we said, this this doctor, and she said, do you want me to tell you exactly what's going on? And I'm like, uh-huh. She's like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I think you're going to have to have your baby tonight. And I went, what? Are you serious? I'm only 24 weeks pregnant. And, um, and she said, well, um, your heart's massive. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? And, and so I was more concerned that Mm-hmm. I was going to get forced to have an early baby because something was wrong. Because mm-hmm. and the really important thing about the twenty four weeks is, yeah, it, if I had been any earlier that I'd went to the mm-hmm. hospital, I wouldn't have my son, because wow. twenty four weeks is when they they have to consider the baby as a person. Does, does that make sense? My goodness! Prior does, to yeah. that, it would be if I had went sooner. Before mm-hmm. 24 weeks, they would only be concerned about me and my welfare, and I wouldn't have him. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I get then an ambulance came to A&E mm-hmm. and took me to the Golden Jubilee. Um, mm-hmm. and to... what, 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 what's the, just that? I mean, this is I know. Uh, it's a bit of a whirlwind. You, I mean, you uh-huh. go in for a, a bit of a checkup, an x ray, you're fighting uh-huh. with the x ray, and then before you know, you're you're getting, uh-huh. you're getting shoveled into an ambulance somewhere, yep. not knowing what's happening. What's happening in your head at that point? I mean, you must have been all over the place. Well, <laughs> I, was, I was like, you need to phone my parents. She, we'd left our, mm. our youngest, our oldest, sorry, our son at the time mm. there at my parents, thinking that. I'm going to go down and go and see them and get to the bottom of this breathing thing. That I'm, uh-huh. I'm thinking I'm coming back with some tablets for a chest infection. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I said something's wrong with Pamela's heart. Where she's getting taken to like another hospital. And obviously mm-hmm. they were just really like shock. Um, me, mm-hmm. I, I was just initially just worried about my boy. 
<laughs> really at home and and my baby, if you know what I mean. I was just mm-hmm. concerned. Well, she would be. I was most frightened by the fact that she said, "Oh, you're going to have to have your baby." And oh, I my and, and I thought, what was? Can you remember what Jay's reaction was like, even t- as well to this? And... A bit white, if you're honest. Um, oh, my goodness, you can't even you can't even put yourself in that position to think what that would be like. Yeah. So, it must have been absolutely terrifying. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I get in, I get put in the ambulance and I get mm-hmm. taken to the Jubilee and to yeah. the intensive care unit. And mm-hmm. um, the next thing you know, I've got like three cardiologists at the end of the bed. Mm-hmm. And one of them honestly was so nice. And he said, don't worry, yeah. I'm not going to let them. Um, I'm not going to make you have your baby. I'm going to get you on a bit further. It's all right, trust me, and I'll make sure we don't do anything or give you anything that'll harm your baby. And that mm-hmm. night set me at rest that way, mm-hmm. but I still didn't really fathom just how bad it was. Does that make sense? How serious it was. Yeah, I had yeah. still, at that point, I had not really any clue. And they never made any reference that you're going to have to have a transplant or anything at all? Not, at, not at all, not at all. No. So mm-hmm. they, they started me in what's called um, diuretics. So, what does what is that? Just for I, I don't have a clue what that is, and I don't suppose it's a tablet. It's, a, it's basically yeah. a tablet to make your kidneys work. Right. So okay. it turned out I was carrying something extraordinary, like fifteen liters of extra fluid. This is why part of the problem why I couldn't mm. breathe and couldn't walk, yeah. and why I had looked so pregnant. I was filled with mm. fluid. So yeah. they basically make you pee for Scotland. Um, mm. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Maybe so that's direct, right. but um, <laughs> that's what that's what was happening. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. So it was like a river, <laughs> exactly right. My goodness! And then suddenly my legs look a bit more normal. I mean, I was walking about in a pair of cheap shoes because my feet had swollen up that much. I had to yeah. pop into a shop one day and just buy anything that was really wide. I think I had a pair of Crocs on <laughs> because yeah, I was and, shuffling and, about. Aye, uh, and and you know what? I, I think as well. Um, Kind of, you know, with um, pregnant women, you do associate, you know, like some uh-huh. sort of swelling running about the ankle area and stuff. It, absolutely. I've just known it from, from previous, yep. you know, that, that, that type of thing yep. so can happen. So you're thinking, well, that could be normal. Absolutely. Lots of the symptoms. Being tired. Mm-hmm. I'm 39 at that point. I'm, I'm knackered. Mm-hmm. I'm swollen up. My legs are all swollen. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just look really out of shape when I'm shuffling about pregnant. But it was because mm-hmm. basically... My heart wasn't working well enough for me, never mind for two people. Yeah. And then I was filling up the fluid. So next morning, well, I gave my aunt the fright of her life because she works there in ICU. And she came on, to, yeah. her, her shift is the ward sister, and um, saw her niece mm. in one of the rooms. <laughs> um, so mm. she was good for me because when I was in hospital, she would often pop along to see me. Um, just check in on me and everything. And she was a really positive person for me. Um, but well, the next morning they basically moved me around to what they told me was the National Services Division, but it or the Advanced Heart Failure Unit. And I get moved down to what they call this wee pod at eight rooms. Mm-hmm. And it turns out now I realise that's the transplant unit. Um, and the and the wow. Golden Jubilee. So I, I and you never and you never knew before getting into nope, that particular still didn't know. unit that no still never still. knew and do do you think then was there a purpose behind not telling you 
do you think? I think that I was just only concerning myself with my baby. That is how I hoped. I Mm -hmm. was in charge of this wee life inside me and I was going to make sure I didn't get too many x-rays or I wasn't going to Mm -hmm. take any drugs or tablets that would hurt him. So that was Mm -hmm. my focus at that point. So I get round there and and they tell me I've got something called dilated cardiomyopathy. And that's where one side of your heart becomes enlarged. If you if you imagine your two fists clenched together and then you yeah. you let your left one loose and flap out, that's what this, the left-hand side of my heart was like. It, just the muscle my just goodness. wasn't working. And you can get that in three different ways. And one of them is pregnancy mm-hmm. and one is um, right. genetically. And the third is mm-hmm. if you've got a flu or something, you can get it as a secondary virus. So mine's was um, mm-hmm. not very common um, because mm-hmm. it's through pregnancy I had got it. So yeah. they explained that's what it was. And mm-hmm. they told me they would try and get me on to the target was 30 weeks pregnancy. And then yeah. I would have to have my baby early, which mm-hmm. would still be, you know. A, a, it's very early, uh, wasn't it? Still be, it'd still mm-hmm. be a good 10 weeks early. And were you in the hospital all this time? Yeah. I so I've went from going to A and E to now I'm admitted mm-hmm. in this ward, and um, mm-hmm. I get start to get to know a couple of people in the other rooms. The boy next mm-hmm. and the boy in the next door has got something called a ventricular assist device, a VAD. So his uh-huh. heart's in a box at the side of him, and he plugs himself he plugs My himself goodness. in every night to charge up. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. So I get all that. Like, you know, you go to get my mum and dad would mm-hmm. be getting into the wee tea room to get a cup of tea and come back and going, We just met somebody that, and it still really wasn't. I just honestly kept thinking, I'm going to get out of here with some medicine or something. That's how I, de- that's mm-hmm. how I, I dealt with it. Yeah. Focus on the baby and deal yeah, with yeah. me afterwards. Mm-hmm. So they said to try and get me to 30 weeks pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened was when I was 29 weeks along, um, mm-hmm. I felt my heart begin to really race and the nurses ran into mm-hmm. the room because I had on, you know, telemetry to monitor your heart and they, they'd run in because mm-hmm. it went into the red and um, everybody came in and looked at my heart charts and said, no, that's it, you're going to have to baby now. So oh what they did was they gave me mm-hmm. steroid injections mm-hmm. um, to bring on the baby's lungs and the next mm-hmm. morning... I signed some paperwork and I went into theatre and get put under general anaesthetic um, to have him. Mm-hmm. And what... Just completely have, out. And the, the paperwork, what, what was the paperwork? C- consent that, if, uh, that they could operate mm-hmm. if anything went wrong with me with my heart. Uh, there was a possibility I yeah. might wake up with a mm-hmm. VAD device, one of those ventricular assist devices or something else. Yeah to do what was mm-hmm. necessary to keep me alive and take care of the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've been at that point, okay, so I've been in hospital what five um five weeks I had been in. Mm-hmm. So Jay at this point I might add is self employed and we mm-hmm. have our now five year old who is just finishing nursery mm-hmm. and I'm I'm in hospital. Yeah. So Poor, our poor son, I have Evan, he's only five and I've been in hospital now at this point for five weeks. Jay's juggling mm-hmm. 
trying to still work because if he doesn't work, he doesn't get any money because mm-hmm. he's self-employed yeah. and, and coming to visit. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it was pretty tough for him as well. Um, I bet it was. We had a lot of kindness from people that the nursery, mm-hmm. my dad went and explained what was happening, that I wasn't there. And they gave mm-hmm. Evan a free place through the summer and said he could come through the summer yeah. holidays. So he still had a routine. So that was uh-huh. that was really nice, yeah. but um, the, mm. the the day that I had to go and have Zach, um, I went and got something called a balloon pump fitted into me. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a big machine, and what they do is mm. they put something in through your femoral artery, so the top of your leg, and they feed a, okay. a a tube all the way around, and it's got a wee pump at the end, and it goes into your heart. And it mm-hmm. pumps in there to help your heart beat and pump, pump the blood around. Mm-hmm. So I got that in. Yeah. And then they took me in to have my caesarean section. I was unconscious. And when I woke up, I was so, I, I said, where's my baby? Where's my baby? And I got to look across the room. Oh. And he was in an incubator on his way out the door. Um, so I, I, mm. I briefly saw him um, in a wee yeah. incubator. And he got taken away to... Jay saw him passing in the corridor and got to see him there. He was only three pounds mm-hmm. and he was a live and he was a little early. And um they took mm-hmm. him to Paisley to the special care mm-hmm. baby unit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he got taken away and I went round for recovery in AICU and um I still had the balloon pump in. And mm-hmm. at that time when you've got it's called an intraortic balloon pump, you can't set up. You can't bend. You can't bend uh-huh. your leg where it where it goes in, because it might come out your artery. So it gets sewn into mm-hmm. your leg in two places, and you've got to stay mm-hmm. flat or just slightly bent up at a thirty degree angle. So I was stuck now in bed. I'm bed bound now, and they said to me, mm-hmm. um, "We're moving you back down to the NSD unit," which I'd been there mm-hmm. for five weeks, so it started to become like my home. So I get moved back round there, and then the next day they told me I needed a heart transplant. And um, and that is that the first yeah, time that you were yeah, given the inclination that that yeah. would have to happen. What was your, if you can remember? I mean, that uh, a lot of things are going through my head just now, just uh-huh. listening to this, Pamela. But can you recite what that well, was like? Getting that <laughs> I, news, got it because. I really just mm-hmm. wanted to go and get my baby and get out of hospital. But here I am, trapped, yeah. lying flat on a bed with some machine that goes in through basically mm-hmm. my groin, keeping me alive, right? While I'm totally fully functioning, yeah. chatting away. And actually, I feel better now because that machine's aiding mm-hmm. my heart. So I, I'm feeling better. And I don't have my baby. Mm-hmm. And they've said, you need a heart transplant. And I knew what that meant because I had been on that ward yeah. now for five weeks. And the thing about needing a transplant is there is no, nobody can tell you when it's going to happen or if. There is no date. There's yeah. no end date for your weight because you're relying on mm-hmm. people becoming organ donors and you're relying on a match mm-hmm. suitable for you. So I, I cried mm-hmm. and they were saying, Pam, don't be upset. That's like the gold star treatment. Like, mm-hmm. I had to, what I had to get my head around was I couldn't leave. I was going to die. You know, my heart yeah. was gone. I couldn't walk about on my own. Jeez, oh. And um, I wasn't going to be able to get medicine. So the, my only hope was to have it 
mm-hmm. either repaired or, or have something temporary like a VAD or the gold star treatment is to mm-hmm. actually get a heart transplant where you've got a working heart donated to you. So yeah. I had to, it took me a night. I got my head around it and um, mm-hmm. and I then sort of buckled myself in for the wait to see how long it would be till that actually happened for us. Mm-hmm. And just in relation to um, the uh-huh. donor heart then, you mentioned, you know, not all hearts That's could right. be suitable yeah. um, for yourself. Is there, I mean, I mean, do you have you any yeah. understanding on how, how right. the process yeah. well, works? Or like, absolutely. is it blood types? You've or? got to um, have a matching blood type. So mine's is B yeah. positive. So it meant I could have a B positive or an O, which is a universal donor type. So if you're, if you're an O, you can yes. donate to anybody. And if you're a B, then you would be even an even better match the same type then they need to look at things like yeah. antibodies in your blood so they, they took me mm-hmm. they said to me Pam we need to test you we're going to get you listed on the urgent heart transplant list so there's a, an urgent list where you're in hospital and you're tied mm-hmm. up to a machine or something to keep you alive that qualifies you to the urgent one mm-hmm. and then there's the standard list where you really need a new heart but you're well enough to be at home in your own you know, still trying to get on with some yeah. stuff. So he said, we're going to list you at the urgent list, but we need to give you an antibody test and we must warn you. You can build up antibodies against things if A, you've had a blood transfusion, B, you've had a baby, and C, if you've had an operation. Yeah. Well, you can tick all three, because I've had a lot. Yeah, you've right? Done them. I went, oh, right, mm-hmm. okay. So, but then they came back. And it almost burst in the door this day and said, Pamela, we got your antibody test back. You, you've, you've got zero. You don't have any. And I'm like, I don't have any? Well, and they're like, no, we can't believe it. Uh, you don't have any. So I just, my positive mm-hmm. spin was, well, I'm so nice. I don't even have anything against anybody inside me, you know? <laughs> that's it. Uh, they said that's the person that. in head of the transplant, in charge of the transplant mm-hmm. list, wants us to check it again to make sure. So they took more blood because every day, mm-hmm. every morning you wake up and you're dragged and they take all your blood. I've had thousands of scans. I've had a CT scan now. I've had, I've had a lot. I've had an MRI, you know what I mean? An MRI, the whole thing while I was waiting. Yeah. I was like, right, okay. So they took my bloods again and says, no, you, you don't have any antibodies. So that's not going to be a problem. Some people yeah. that from certain like ethnic origins and stuff might have naturally mm-hmm. more antibodies in their blood or if those events happen in your life like mm-hmm. having a kid or a blood transfusion or an operation it, um, you might have built up antibodies but no I didn't so it made it a bit simpler for me mm-hmm. to get one so that was a, a, a positive if, um, and I held on Absolutely. to that if you could pull if you could pull a positive well, out that, of that's heart, then there's one do. there isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely um, I'm not mm. going to lie I mean I was pretty down at one point there because my baby's in another hospital five miles away and, and I'm lying stuck in a bed in, in the one room 24-7 wondering am I, when, when am I going to get out and I've met, I, and I've met people by then that had been yeah. nine months I'd met somebody that had been in my room before me um, <laughs> they said there's a, a transplant patient who got his heart done a couple of years ago and he's popped in with ice creams for everybody on the ward. 
would you like to meet him? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, absolutely. And we came in and mm-hmm. we had a conversation. We both knew exactly how many ceiling tiles there was in that room. <laughs> because he'd been, he'd been on a balloon pump in that <laughs> room before as well. And we oh. laughed. And, um, and he'd been on one for, oh, I think it was three months. I was like, all right, okay. So at this point, Jay's still, as I say, he's self-employed. So he's going between a baby and the special care baby unit in Paisley and then to Clyde Bank to visit me. And he's taking care of our five-year-old and he's still trying to work. So for me... Yeah. That must have been a massive strain for, for on me, everyone. I kept, I thought I had, I told him, I says, I'm fine. I, I'm actually fine. I couldn't be in mm. any better a place. And I told him, I'm never alone. There's always yeah. a doctor. There's always a nurse. And the people in that unit, Paul, mm-hmm. they're incredibly special. They realise that mm-hmm. it's not just your physical health, it's your mental health. And they will do Absolutely. anything to try and keep you on the up and keep you cheery and mm-hmm. positive they would bring your dog in do you know what I mean anything if they thought it would help you yeah. at all mm-hmm. um, and I explained I've always got and I did I actually felt safe there because there was so much going on I didn't yeah. have to just sort of give up be compliant and just trust them if you know what I mean I did but mm-hmm. I always felt in yeah. safe hands and um, what got me by mm-hmm. I have to tell you is they set up what they call a baby cam. So mm-hmm. when Zach, our, our wee premature baby, who's now seven, um, he mm-hmm. he was in the special care baby unit and an incubator, you know, getting extra blood, so different stuff going on. He had a wee hole in his heart, mm-hmm. which was because he was so premature. Um, they put a yeah. camera on him and a two-way camera, and I had one at the side of my bed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I called it the baby cam, and I was able Mm. to watch him in his wee incubator and talk to him. Um, And then the nurse, when they did the nurses' Mm. rounds at his hospital, would come on and tell me an update on how he was doing. And I saw him him getting fed by them. I, I saw him mm-hmm. getting a wee dummy. I saw him when he first get out the, the, the major incubator and into like a lesser one. I saw him in his first wee outfit and stuff like that. <laughs> they, they dressed him in, but um, so that yeah. had they mm-hmm. were really really nice as well. They they kept me going. It's not the same as holding your baby <laughs> and taking care of them yourself, but yeah. it was certainly oh, it helped a lot. In the situation, Absolutely. it's the next best yeah, thing, definitely. isn't it? Absolutely. Can imagine, so, only imagine. Um, and then they even, I think it was two weeks after I'd had Zach, I noticed he had a little blue outfit on and I said, oh, is he big enough to get dressed now if you put clothes on him? But they were acting really weird at the other hospital. I thought, that's strange. Mm-hmm. And then my parents turned up to visit me mm-hmm. and Jay turned up. What they had did was yeah. they had they thought, they surprised me and they brought him over for a visit to my hospital. So I'm I'm lying mm-hmm. there flat out in the balloon Good. pump and they and they bring my wee baby in. <laughs> um it took with his own doctor and Excellent. two nurses and a transport team and a mobile incubator to get brought over for a wee half hour mm-hmm. visit. But I got to finally hold him. Um, and they did that twice actually while I was there, which was mm-hmm. huge. 
I think, see all the... Yeah. You just have to get through something like this by, I believe, just thinking it's going to be okay. And for me, I had to take it maybe like yeah. a, a day at a time and just get... In fact, see when I was on yeah. the balloon pump, stuck in bed, you're bored, you're, you, don't, you just went up and about. Um, you don't know how long you're going to be there. I mm-hmm. think that can be pretty hard for people. They yeah. could switch off to the world. But I tried my best to stay positive and broke it down into wee segments mm-hmm. like each day to get it to get by. Does that make sense? Just a basic breakfast and lunch and split the day up as mm-hmm. much as I could. Absolutely. Just be targets Absolutely. for the day. Just to get through day. it. Mm-hmm. But you're always waiting to see if somebody's yeah. going to come in and that there's that being that phone call that you're going to get a transplant mm-hmm. and then one night it did it was wow. about 12 o'clock I was starting to give up hope I decided in my head that I was going to be in the month of July right so and um because my brother yeah. got married in August and I had this stupid target in my head that I was going to get out of there and go yeah <laughs> I know it was the realistic right but <laughs> In my head, this uh-huh. is going to happen. I'm definitely going to be July. And I kept going mm-hmm. to the last day, a 30th or yeah. something, and I was like, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. And then a nurse came in and says, Pam, we've had a phone call. There's a heart for you. Um, and it seems to be it seems to be okay. Um, do you want to phone your other half and let people wow. know? So it was me they, that phoned Jay and said, Jay, I've had the call. And I'm, it's been five weeks now, right? And I'm... I'm I'm going to get a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. So I, then I phoned my parents and my brother too and told them. And then they organised who was going mm-hmm. to watch Evan. And, and Jay came up to see me right away at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And you need to pack up your room. So I'm lying there bossing them about while I put something mm-hmm. in a suitcase. Um, yeah. That was it. Yes. Apparently they give you a uh-huh. little relaxant tablet to make you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't really remember mm-hmm. much else Paul apparently I get taken round and they sent us back there was right. a delay I don't remember the next thing I remember it was well, it turns out it was four days later was the next time I was conscious my goodness how uh-huh. yeah. a wee question I've got for you is you know with a person who um, uh, passed yes. on to provide the heart for you it's just uh-huh. Just uh-huh. my mind's working just now. I'm thinking, how quickly do they have to get to the person to get the heart to make sure it's still right. working properly? And how does it how does right. it work? Is it frozen? Or, no, 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 no. These no, are no. silly questions no, no, no. I'm asking okay. right now. So you've be got straight. like about a four hour window and, and they call it from the donor mm. site to the recipient site. Um, you've got about four hours. Yeah. So I think before I've even been told there's one available, there's a family somewhere that was sat down and spoke to and um, yeah. agreed to organ donation and a, and a specialist organ donation nurse um, has spoken to them and went through everything because it's all done very respectfully and, um, and then the, then it's it's the heart or the or whatever organs are being donated are, are taken and then transported to mm-hmm. the recipient sites and it's all organised by transplant coordinators there's ones in every like transplant unit in hospital so that's all organised and there's there's four hours My and it, I don't know how else to put it but it basically just goes in some fluid in an iced bucket um, now it's different they've made progression since I had my transplant seven years ago and they've got 
called Heart in a Box, where they take the heart and then basically put it in, I suppose, what's like a portable ventricular assist device. It still pumps blood through it to keep it going mm-hmm. until it gets to the person. Yeah. Whereas mine would have just sat not beating. Does that make sense? The heart restarts The heart restarts when this yeah, is absolutely. They restart the heart, but they can keep mm-hmm. the hearts alive now in a special... Oh. How did how did they keep the how did they restart yeah, the heart again? Is it some yeah, sort of shock? Done, or... yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Mm. My goodness. <laughs> and then you wake up and yeah, you have well, a new heart inside you. And... Totally off your head because you've been under so much sedation and and mm. medicine that I, unfortunately mm. I remember getting unintubated, which is when they take the big tube out from your throat. I remember hearing Pamela cough, cough, Pamela cough. Yeah. And that's the first thing I can remember after getting taken from a transplant. And Jay was in the room with me and um and I didn't really think it was him. I thought he was some sort of clone. Um and then the anesthetist had brought me round I, I told him he looked like Clark Kent and asked him if he'd get into bed and cuddle me. Um, because I was I was buzzing <laughs> off my head on all the oh, stuff. My I think and so, the nurse was yeah, so after, and I'm talking about like I've been out for four days, and my voice is like this <laughs> because I've had a tube down my throat. My other half <laughs> has been like at my bedside the whole time, and I wake up and tell somebody else who looks like Clark Kent and ask him for a cuddle. Uh-huh. You'd jump into bed Absolutely. with you. <laughs> I think I did, and I did, and I wouldn't oh, stop. I could persist until I eventually had to touch my hand or something. Um, but I was flying. But yeah, yeah, and I had no idea that that many days had passed either. What had happened was, Jay, oh, Jay had yeah. my brother had came and spent the time with Jay while I was in getting my mm. transplant. Um, my brother was good company for him, and um, he gets sent round to the hotel attached to the to the hospital and said that's her she's had her transplant everything looks okay and then when he went round he got a phone call said you need to come back um she has to go back into the operating theater again so i had something called cardiac tamponade which can be fatal and it's um basically Mm -hmm. one of your arteries is bleeding at your heart so i get taken back in and i was opened up again and that had to be fixed so i was i'm incredibly lucky um that I'm here. Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think as well, Pamela, just what you're touching on and, and <clears throat> modern oh, medicine these un- days and how they can do that type it's of thing. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely fascinating, I, isn't it? I haven't completely, I don't have totally had saved your life. to say about the NHS. I cannot believe the amount of work and the, and to see the nurses as well in that unit. They're not. It's not mm. just a job. It really isn't. It's more than that. Oh, I have, no. I have and you'll know that more than anyone. I can't believe. I mean, they've saved my boy. He's alive. He's well, doing fantastic. Mm. And I'm kicking about. And you know what I mean? A, a, a happy mama too, just getting on with yeah. everything. Do you still keep in yeah, contact I, with, I d- with anyone from well, the hospital at all? Any of the doctors? It's kind of, they call it Hotel California because you never really kind of leave. Because um, what happens when you have any kind yeah. of transplant is you need to have um, anti-rejection medicine. And what the medicine does is it suppresses your immune system so that your body doesn't think, Mm -hmm. oh, wait a minute, this doesn't belong to us, and starts attacking it. So 
they give yeah. you a, a, a oh. immunosuppressant therapy they call it um and you have to have like lifelong mm-hmm. checkups so it, at first after you had yeah. the transplant mm-hmm. what i had to get was heart biopsies and i had to have one every week yeah. and basically what they did was you lie on a bed and they use a fluoresceptoscope. it's this machine that they can it's kind of like a live x-ray and they go in through your artery yeah. inside of your neck while you're awake they give you a wee jag and then they feed a tube in mm-hmm. down through your oh, well it's not exactly pleasant you don't feel that at all <laughs> but it's necessary so no. you put up with it absolutely you've got to do that yeah mm-hmm. From what you've been through it's um, so previous, then, you know, See, because you I've now, like, it was in total three months yeah. in hospital, and you get, you know, blood thinning jags, and they take mm. your bloods every day, and you've had all sorts by then. I just, none of it absolutely mm. does not bother me at all. No, are you just, I just thought, it was yeah, see, for me, on, it had well. to be a positive thing, that it's a means to an end, and this means I'm going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. So I just accept it. And, and I think being compliant and going along, taking aye. all your medicine, doing what you're told in there, gets you through and gets you out the door. How do you feel about the, you know, what, what you're talking about there yeah. um, in respect to your mindset and how you are maintaining a sort of positive, I will get through this attitude. You think that really, do you think the, the sort of psychological um, angle on what you'd been oh, through really, really completely. aided you in your survival, family. Because I think if it, I've, I've often, and I'm uh-huh. fascinated by mindset, as you well know, um, but I've often heard some people um, say, yeah. you know, from previous experience, uh-huh. watching some TV shows and stuff, I'm quite interested in, and it's about, you know, how almost the, 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 the power of your mind uh-huh. and, and depending how you use it, you know, you can quite easily talk yourself into a hospital bed oh, d- by oh, using, you know, negative thoughts agree. and processes. Completely. Because um, and would you agree with that? I'm actually quite yeah. a positive person and it's been commented on as well. And there, and mm, it's, yeah. I sometimes now mm. go and see other people who aren't feeling as positive to help them put a better angle on it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you, you need to help yourself mm. as well. And Aye. I think you've got to be strong mentally to Aye. get through things. And mm. for me, I just always... Absolutely. Whether people might think it's pictured that it was going to be okay, I just wasn't going to accept anything else. Mm-hmm. It was going to yeah. be okay. My, my problem mm-hmm. was I didn't know when because yeah. of the waiting, but I knew it was going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were, yeah. You you seen the end, uh, the absolutely. end goal of, of getting your to, transplant. I want and, to go home and get my and two my kids goodness, and, and mother have and be a family. <laughs> to, to yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and exactly what you have done. And your story is, my goodness, they say it's inspiring. Well, you know, I don't know if I'm doing you justice. I to be honest with because you. I think it's the for me, right? I feel like I was a sick person that got better. And I and and I'm and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. the medical okay. marvels and everything and how wonderful the, the modern treatment is and how they can give you anti rejection mm-hmm. drugs and everything. Yeah. That was nothing to do with me. But I'll I accept that my part I played was staying strong and and helping mm-hmm. get me and everybody else through it. Yeah. That's fair yeah. enough. And you Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, and absolutely, and you and you've probably um, seen it from the angle of um, the the people, um, the scientists, of course, the doctors, yeah, the, the nurses. Actually, yeah. These guys are inspiring. Um, the yes, people who absolutely. the people who donate. Um, their, their organs are inspiring, and is that with you, the angle? Because I know, I know you're extremely passionate about right, organ okay. donation. So we're going to take you there now, um, and let's touch on that uh -huh. because when we had an initial conversation, of course, yeah, um, regarding what we're going to do today, um, we we spoke about that, and and you got the cogs in my head uh -huh. coming about it. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not yet on any list, so <laughs> please don't send anyone to, to I fill know, me you're, in. You're um, I promise you that that's something now from speaking to you in this. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I guess. But, you know, I, I think, you know, if, if anything can be taken out of this for the people who are engaging with this particular podcast, today, oh, please can take anything from you. It's to go oh, and donate organs I had when your time comes. Either and didn't really want to. Who wants to think about things like that? But mm -hmm. but now I realise yeah. that you know when you're gone, you don't yeah. need these things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, what you really need to do is right. be an organ donor. But the most important thing is to tell your loved ones that that's what your wishes are, because even with the new opt out scheme that's yeah. coming in, where Everybody will be an, an organ donor unless you opt out. It will still won't matter because the people that go and ask, it, it's, it can be the worst time mm -hmm. of somebody's life, right? That their loved one's in dire straits and um, mm -hmm. the organ donation team might come and say, what, how do you feel about mm -hmm. donating organs? Is to say yes, because I wouldn't be here. I mean, like... Yeah. I'm not just a mum, I'm a, I'm a sister, yeah. I'm a daughter, I'm an auntie, I'm a cousin, do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. like, I'm connected to a lot of people and mm -hmm. I'm still here for all of them because because yeah. of somebody else's. Yeah, right. I can't, right. I don't, I honestly, mm -hmm. they're my heroes because how do you go through that in your life and yeah. and decide that, uh, uh, that all that terrible mm -hmm. bad, you're going to help and, somebody else, you're going to do good? And that's what I would say is it means that from a bad situation, something Absolutely. really lovely, like my, my life, <laughs> somebody's life, you know, you've, you've given yeah. me air in my lungs and a, and a beat in my chest mm -hmm. and you've given my kids mm -hmm. a parent. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that I know, it's just... Absolutely. Um, and uh -huh. and although, although you picked me up earlier on, and I'm going to reiterate it again, uh -huh. um, sometimes when you're looking inwardly, yeah. um, when someone says okay. something like you inspire okay. people, you do, you do inspire people because of, even if it's just from a, right. okay. uh, a glass half full attitude can be inspiring because there's so many, oh. so many souls out there that, that do struggle in life. And we're not saying that anyone's problems are worse than others or less than others. Yeah. Of course not. People's Absolutely. view of the world is different for everyone else. Um, but if we can put any sort of perspective on it um, today, um, with what you went through, and if someone can potentially take something and whatever's happening in their life right now and say to themselves, well, hold on the now. Um, if someone like Pamela can turn this round and see oh, yeah. something good happening out of a shit situation, then there's a good chance I, I can do that too. I, so, yeah, um, I think that I think is a massive thing is to always see the positive. Definitely, Paul, I completely agree. And to surround yourself mm -hmm. with, I'm really incredibly yeah, lucky yeah. that I have good people 
and and a good family that were there um, supporting us, and that that's a massive thing for you as well. We have the right the right mm-hmm. minded people surrounded you as well. Absolutely. And then you can you can achieve anything then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Completely. It does. It does make the world a difference. Absolutely. Sure. So. I just want to wrap up um, this particular podcast today by thanking you um, no by coming on and sharing your story. I'm sure oh, you touched my many pleasure. people with it. Pamela, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> and everybody out Absolutely. there, or I today, or else that. Pamela will be after you. <laughs> Good luck with that you one. Too, Paul.